Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Welcome to the Fight Night Podcast from Talk Sport. I'm Adam Catterall. Pleasure as always to be in your company, but if this is the first time that you've come to us for your boxing content, then please hit subscribe. You can do it on iTunes, you can do it on the TalkSport website if you need an Android feed. We're across everything, it's all there for you, and you'll never miss out on any of our Fight Sports content. Now, as you know, every single Saturday night, we bring you a stellar guest list. The who's who's of the Fight Sports world comes to join us to talk about everything that's going on in their world. And every now and again, we get some exclusive news. There's some coming up a little bit later on in the show, so make sure you stick around for it. First guest on the podcast this week is, of course, the Hall of Fame promoter himself, the one and only Mr. Frank Warren. Gareth caught up with him, spoke about a load of stuff, but he started the conversation on that, let's just say, unusual press conference that happened this week between the Furies and Jake Paul. The problem was I was supposed to be there, and Tyson had the flu, weren't going to be there. Um, so I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to go up there if had the flu, and... Uh, then they called me, he called me in the morning saying he was okay, but by then, there's no way I could be getting in a car and driving up to Auckland back. Because uh, as I said just as I said earlier, I had a problem, problem well, I had this operation on my back. So uh, I was going up by train, but it was too late to get to the station. So um, if I'd have been there, it wouldn't have been, you know, this stuff wouldn't happen. As regarding what, you know, what Hearn said, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't hear... What Jake Paul was saying because I've got on the on, in the conference on a Zoom call, and I couldn't hear hear him at all. Um, but I I heard some of the other stuff that went down, and uh, it was um, you know it was a great shame, and it was a, it was stupid, and uh, I think BT put an apology out regarding the language and some of the things that were said because they are not acceptable. I, I mean, obviously, any, I, don't, I don't need anybody's. I don't need her or anybody being sympathetic or, or, or allegedly being sympathetic. I mean, I don't really care what he says. The most important thing is that uh, is that you know there was that 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 doesn't happen again because it's it's just it's not acceptable. Look, Tommy's got a proper boxing career ahead of him. Um, he drew fame from being Love Island. You know, everyone enjoyed the love love affair, the love story with Molly May. He's a, he's a lovely kid. We, you know, we both remember him from years back around Tyson. He's always been there. You know, he's, he's kind of like a physical Adonis now. He's, gonna, he's fighting at light heavyweight. Um, how, how do you see this fight with, with Jake Paul in America? Is it a great platform for him? And obviously it's a great payday, but does it help his, his boxing career uh, and help elevate him in America as well? Well, you know, for me, the, the facts are it's, it's, it's two novices fighting, you know, and they obviously, as far as uh, Jake Paul's concerned, he's made a massive name for himself through his uh, his um, his social media followings and so forth. He's had four fights now. I see his last one live. Um, and, um, and Tommy, as you just, you know, you just said what he said, that he's a no- he also is a novice. But this fight's over eight rounds. It's two guys who've got big social media followings. Um, you know, they are, it, it is what it is for Tommy. 
you know, from Marsford's perspective, he wanted to fight. And who am I to stop the fight from stopping him from earning unbelievable, unbelievable money, which we've negotiated for him. Um, and it's a fight I feel he, he should win. If, I mean, if he doesn't win it, then he, then we, we, you know, I'll be I'll probably be the most shocked beside him in in the in the in the venue. But it is what it is it? Take it's not what I grew up with. It's not the type of thing that I thought would ever be. Uh, being sort of catching on the way it has done. I mean, the last show, the last show when I was out there, when Tommy fought on uh, Jake Paul's undercut and uh, Danny Devois fought as well on the card. When we got there, it was about 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock at night, and the place was absolutely full up. It full to the rafters. And they were all get everybody there, which was a, it was a pretty fairly young audience. They were totally engaged with every fight. You know, when we normally put shows on here or, or anywhere, that, for that matter, around the world, you know, you got to wait until just before the the, the, the uh, you know the, the the semi event or you know or the or the, you know the uh, probably around sort of ten o'clock at night, sort of half nine before the place absolutely gets full up. But they were there from the start to the finish, engaged and watched it. So it has, without a doubt, brought a new new audience. Um, and I think that you know that obviously helps boxing because you obviously, from my perspective, you had Tommy got a showcasing on there. That's why this fight's been made. And as far as Daniel Dubois was concerned, he got tremendous exposure, massive exposure out there. It's on Showtime pay-per-view. And uh, Jake Paul's, I think he's the second highest or second grossing, highest grossing uh, boxer in America moment, moment on pay-per-view. So for a fight, probably had four or five fights, whatever he's had, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it makes his name in America makes things easier. I know it's a, it's a different route and you're very old school about the way you grow boxers and you, you, you bring them through. But, it, but you, 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 can't, uh, you, you, you can't knock it in terms of, like you say, it's, you should win. Um, it's, you know, it's a yeah, exactly. Win exactly. And, it, and, he, um, and, he's, and he's earning life-changing life money for it. So good luck to him. God bless him. Well, well, we have a big bout next weekend, of course. We're there with Talk Sport Live um, at the Copper Box. Uh, Lyndon yeah. Arthur and Anthony Yard. Um, very excited about that. I am. I think it's a. I think it's a. a, a you know, an even money fight. Um, it's really done well as far as the tickets concerned. So it's going to be a great atmosphere. It's a rematch from their first fight that took place when uh, the COVID restrictions were on. Uh, that was a fight in the studio. And um, it just didn't for me. Just didn't, it was a, it was a good fight, but it didn't quite catch a light. But I think this one will do. There's so much more at stake now. Um, the fact that uh, Lyndon ranked number one is the mandatory challenger for the WBO. So um, Anthony will be trying to, if he can, jump in his shoes. Uh, Lyndon obviously doesn't. You know, be looking to make sure that he, he he keeps that position because the winner of the fight will definitely fight the winner of uh, Joe Smith and Callum Johnson, which is a fight I've made with, with Bob Barron, the top rank of promote um, in the new, early in the new year. So there's a lot, a lot at stake for these guys. In, in that fight, Callum Johnson, Joe Smith Jr., obviously Joe Smith Jr. being the WBO champion at the moment, um, Callum's got a great chance against this guy, hasn't he? Well, he has. And, it, and it's one of those fights. He won't go the distance, I don't believe. But for I think for the first sort of five six rounds, you, it's going to be an absolute war of attrition. That's what happened in this fight. It won't go the distance, and uh, I think Callum's got the punch, and he's he's obviously uh, we've seen him in action quite a few times uh, lately, and he also fought for the world title against is it Pivotal, Pivotal um, uh, about. 18 months to he, was, Serbia. He, well, he, sorry, he knocked him Serbia. down, didn't he? <laughs> he knocked him down. And, he, and he's, I mean, he's an outstanding world champion. So, um, you know, he's capable of doing that. So I think, I think it's going to be very exciting. And uh, hopefully he comes through and then we get an all-British um, WBO championship. And also, of course, that light heavyweight division in Britain at the moment is extraordinary. And, and a great performance by Dan Aziz last weekend as well, who puts himself in the mix as well as a... As you know, amongst the Boatsies and and Callum Smith, it's a, it's a really vibrant division, isn't it? Particularly in the UK at the moment, it is. It's like our heavyweight scene. It's it, it is very much so. So, um, you know, but our guys are in really in good positions now, and uh, and um, we've done a good job job for them. So it's now time for all of them to 
you know, to uh, try and um, the opportunity that we've, we've delivered to them to, to, to come through and, and show who's the best. And then not, then who knows? Maybe we might get the winner in with the uh, the winner from our end in with uh, you know with a Buatsi. We'll see. We mentioned Tyson Fury at the top of the chat. Um, you know, what, what, what's the current situation? I mean, I, I did speak to you in the week and you said that, you know, obviously you want to try and make a fight for Tyson as soon as possible. I, I, I know that you've poo-pooed this idea of 60-40 split that Dillian, that's come forward for Dillian White. Um, is it White? Is it Joyce? Is it a, a another? Is it going to be in the UK? Is it going to be in America? Um, I mean... From what you were saying to me in the week that, you know, Tyson wants to get into camp in the new year and he wants to fight in early March and you're going to get that fight for him, basically. Uh, either a voluntary, uh, well, it will be, we understand, a voluntary defence of uh, the WBC title. Well, what will happen is, uh, Tyson, I believe next week, all this is going to all come to a head and I believe we'll be announcing Tyson's next fight and opponent. Um it, you know, I, in an ideal world, I think I mentioned to you before, the one I'd like to see him in the ring with is with Usyk. I'd like to see um, uh, see, Joe, uh, see um, uh, Joshua step aside to allow that to happen. Um, and who knows? Maybe he, might, he may do that, but we'll find out. And if he doesn't, then obviously Tyson will will, will be fighting someone else. But that that's 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 what I would like to see happen. And everybody's working on it to try and see if we can get it over the line. So that would mean that Joshua steps aside and fights the winner, presumably? Well, if he decides he will step aside. And for me, if I was him, it's a no-brainer because you know, there's no, it's no certainty he'll beat Usyk. The one thing's for sure, if, if Tyson fights Usyk, is that Joshua will fight for the four belts against the winner. Yeah, yeah. And you favour Tyson Fury um, very strongly, I imagine, against Alexander Usyk. Yeah, I would do. I mean, they're similar styles. They're, they're very similar in what they do, but the difference being Tyson's a much, much, much bigger man, and I think he'll, I think um, he will, he will, he will win the fight. If that doesn't happen, um, Usyk and Fury, is there a ch- chance? And, and White doesn't happen. Is there a chance that Joe Joyce could get his opportunity um, at a go at the WBC oh. belt? I mean, he is highly ranked at the moment. I mean, he's he's number three in the rankings for the WBC title. He's number two now in the latest rankings. He's number two, and he's number one in the WBO. So, uh, look, that's, that, that's another option. You know, Joe's there. I mean, Joe is. I mean, he'd fight anybody at a, you know, a, a moment's notice. He's in serious training at the moment in the states, uh, hoping that, that we can pull this off. But if we can't, then he will, again. He will. Uh, he will fight early in the new year, probably sometime in February. And we're working on on his opponent. Fascinating stuff. And we can't wait to find out what Tyson Fury, of course, is doing next. And as you know, and as everybody knows, when he's active and he's in camp, everything goes well for him. And he, he stays on course the whole time. And that fitness, that mental health is always good. Um, It's a year, Frank. I don't know if you realize this. It doesn't seem a year ago that Joe Joyce put in a brilliant performance against Daniel Dubois. They're both your fighters, of course. Um, what about uh, Daniel in the last year? Do you, do you feel that he's got everything back when you speak to? Yeah, to he, 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 he fought as I mentioned. He fought on that show. He's come back with a couple of wins, and in fact, is now ranked number one and is the mandatory by the WBA. So he's in an excellent place. So you know, our heavyweight roster at Queensbury is we've got the you know the best heavyweights in the world. You know, we've got the best heavyweight in 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 Tyson and the two next guys coming through are both with us as well. They're both in, in fabulous positions, both ranked respectively by the different organisations, the BA and BO. So they're, they're going to be in the mix. So if Tyson, for example, was to fight an Usyk or to fight a Josh, Joshua, by the time those fights happen, these guys, the, these managers will be called. So they're in a really good spot. And we put, we, you know, we worked hard to get them there. And, uh, you know, again, with, uh, with, with Daniel, he was hopefully going to be on the undercard of that fight uh, on on Tommy's show, uh, get, getting him some show, uh, again some valuable exposure on in the states, but unfortunately, um, for various reasons he couldn't get there. So now he he also will fight in early early um in, in, sorry mid February. So he's going to be out too. So it's quite a lively time. Be, 
Absolutely. Um, we can't wait to be with you next weekend at the Copper Box in the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park, of course, in East London, Lyndon Arthur against Anthony Yard. I was with Bradley Skeet in Sheffield last night. I was working a little show, Unified Promotions, three women and two men in a little hotel up in Sheffield last night. That was great fun. But I saw Bradley Skeet up. Obviously, he's fighting Hamza Shiraz, World Boxing Organization, European super welterweight title. Bradley looked in phenomenal shape. It's a great card, that Dennis McCann on there, of course. Um, one of your young rising stars at Bantamweight, 10-0. and 0. Um, It's going to be a great card next week. Well, it is. And, you know, Hamza, I really like him. He's, he's, he's a very... He's a bit of a, a freak in as far as his size, that's yeah. all he is and range is. But um, he's in with Bradley, who, who, who was who's basically most of his career was with me. Um, he's fighting him. That's a tough, tough fight. And we'll get a measure of yeah. where Hamza is at this stage. But Bradley's, you know, he's going to be very dangerous. That's, that is a good, a good fight. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And as you mentioned, young Dennis, he's had, he, he, he was supposed to fight a, a couple of months ago, but he was, uh, he, he was, uh, had bad flu, so he's jumping at the bit to get in there, end the year well, and set himself up for some uh, title fights next year. And I'm fascinated. I haven't seen him before. He's one and zero. We've got Sonny Liston Ali uh, first on the card against Lee Hallett. Sonny Liston Ali. That his parents were clearly boxing fans. <laughs> well, one thing's for sure. He better be out of fight with a name like that, or he's going to get me in trouble. Now, one of the fights that Frank was speaking about in that conversation with Gareth was, of course, upcoming this weekend, the rematch between Lyndon Arthur and Anthony Yard. And the latter joined me on the show to preview the fight. Between his knees, he's not going to make it this time. And referee John Latham just waves his arms to signal that that is the end of the fight. And Thuran has been put away inside a round. Anthony Yard just trapped him at a little right to the solar plexus, into the pit of the stomach, and then saw the gap for that left hand again. Corrections will be, will be shown on December 4th. And um, I just feel like you're going to see me back to being myself again, maybe even a bit better. Um, there was a lot going on in the first fight. Um, I'm not a person that makes no excuses. That's why I haven't said nothing. I just said the rematch is going to happen. And um, now we've got the date. Um, it's not far away now. December 4th. Tune in. <laughs> Bit of back and forth with the negotiations on it, wasn't there? Because I got told originally that you guys were looking at October and then it got pushed a little bit. We had a few uh, opponents in between getting this rematch on. Was there a frust- was it a frustrating time trying to get this on? Because I know that you wanted it immediately. Yeah, it wasn't... I wouldn't say frustrating. Um, they did... Him and his team, they didn't want the rematch. Um, and again... It, <laughs> It kept going back and forth. I just stayed out because I'm like, that's not my, that's not my field. There's nothing I could do about it. All I can do is complain, <laughs> and I'm not really a complainer. So um, I just stayed patient because there was a contract, and um, yeah, they just, they just didn't want the fight. They tried to go around it. Um, they even went publicly and were saying that they want to go other routes and um, we should fight again after one of us would win a world title, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, when that wasn't in the agreement, so. Um, but the fight's here now, so I'm looking forward to it. The fight is here. I think everybody's looking forward to it, mate, because it feels, I don't know whether you, you would agree with this, but it feels like there's more on the line this time. There was a lot on the line last time, no doubt about that, but it feels bigger this time around, mate. Definitely, definitely. And um, I feel like sometimes that's the that's the climax of boxing. You know, you never know what's going to happen. You never know how things are going to plan out. But, um, you know, the first fight, again, it was very, very boring. So if people are um, expecting it to be a similar fight or the same fight. It's just ab- absolutely not, <laughs> absolutely not. So I think it's I think it's impossible to be a similar fight. Like I said, the, the, one of the first thing that I said to you about the fans, both every fighter feeds off adrenaline. They feed off it. You know, I mean, you're you're a guy that obviously does the. 
the big ring walks. I see you touching hands with everybody as you walk, making your way, and you've always got a big smile on your face as you're making that ring walk. And it seems to me that that's when you get switched on for a particular fight. And I'm sure Lyndon's similar, you know? So therefore, it can't be the same fight that we saw the first time round. It, it has to go at a quicker pace. Spot on. It's literally spot on. Um, the thing about boxing is, you know, when you're in a boxing gym and you spar, um, you when you're sparring, it's, it's like a lot of practicing that goes on. Mm. And um, for me, that's what kind of happened to me. I ended up, not only wasn't I there mentally anyway, but that's literally how it how it felt like I was um like I was sparring. Even when I fought Dex Bowman, um it felt like I was sparring. When you when there's nobody there, it's like who am I entertaining? Mm. You get into that that mindset of working on things. And that's what happened in that last fight. Um I'm not the person that makes excuses or says anything that don't benefit me. And um, you know, when I watched the fight back, <clears throat> I fought terribly. It wasn't how I fight even. Um when I watch it back, I will still say, you know, it, it was close. You know, initially, straight after the fight, I said, uh, I don't want to scream robbery. I didn't say it was a word robbery. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't want to say the word robbery, etc., because, you know, your emotions are how things go through your head. But when I watched it back, I was like, this was a lot closer than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see by perspective, it looks like he's keeping me at bay. It looks like what he's doing is like stopping me from doing certain things. So I can see why they gave him that round, etc. Yeah. I just analyzed it, analyzed the situation, analyzed the fight. And, um, you know, one of the judges gave it to me by five rounds. And then two of the other judges gave it to him by one round. So mm. it's perspective. But um, that's, that's again, in my mind, I'll take that into this fight. At the time of the defeat to Lyndon, you uh, are an active man on social media. You will have seen people going at it. So say every armchair fan has a suggestion, don't they, after the after the mm-hmm. defeat? And I'm sure AJ is going through this as well right now because I've seen so much on him and his trainer relationship. Did you feel any pressure at the time to have a total change, or was it just like you've just said there, just one little bit that you just needed to add to it? For me, it was like uh, me and my team needed to reassess. That was it, really. Um, I'm active on social media, but you'll be surprised how inactive I am at looking at comments. Um, looking at um, um, Instagram DMs, mm-hmm. um, I just stopped because, you know, <laughs> there was a, it was a situation that happened one time and, um, you know, people, they try and wind you up and people are forgetting that I grew up in East London. <laughs> I grew up in East London and I grew up a certain type of way. So um, I've still got a bit of, you know, something in me that's, you know, you try to purify. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's just like everybody, you know, everyone's got limits and boundaries that can be pushed, et cetera. So I realised to myself, you know, once something's actually affecting me or it's, it's getting a reaction out of me, I just leave it alone. You know, it's not beneficial to my, my future. The um, the, underst- the the feedback, should I say, from what the public was saying was coming from people that know me. Mm. So when they were seeing me, they were telling me certain things. Some of them I said, this ain't the time. Some of them I said, I don't want to hear it. And then some of them I said, oh, yeah. So what else are people saying? And they explained it to me in a way where I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then they gave me their opinions as well. I even gave my opinion. So, But before anyone was saying anything, I was saying that my team needs to reassess. Myself, individually, and everyone around me need to reassess. So it ended up being fantastic. Mate, very level-headed approach to it. I mean, a lot of people can, uh, can like you say, in the heat at the moment, then when the emotions are going high, you can make a decision that maybe might maybe a bit snap. Very level-headed uh, way of approaching it. What, what have you made of Sunday uh, uh, and Pat? Are they on the undercard, by the way? Are they, uh, have, we, have we arranged the fight between them two? Have we put them on the undercard? They seem to be going at it in the presser. <laughs> I feel that Sunday um, hasn't really engaged in it. Because, um, you know, we said what we wanted to say at the press conference. This is meant to be... Um, two professionals, myself and Lyndon, going into a boxing ring and meant to be two professional coaches as well. Um, yes, it's, it's build up for the fight. Me and Pat spoke again after the press conference and um, I don't know what he said since then, but, you know, he did kind of look at himself and say, ah, I, sh- I shouldn't have went about it that way, etc., etc., etc. Because it's, it's, a, it's bigger than, you know, egos, it's bigger than um, just selling a fight. It's the way you sell a fight. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying so talk, um, the way they were talking or the way mostly Pat was talking um, I had to give him a, a man-to-man talk and say look you're, you're a lot older than me you know you 
looked after Linden, you know, you took him off of the wrong path. Yeah. So you're meant to keep that, keep that energy. As I said earlier on, it feels like there's a lot more on this particular fight than there was on the first fight. Um, and I can kind of blow this up a little bit further because uh, we, we kind of know now that Callum Johnson's getting an opportunity to shot a world title against uh, Joe Smith Jr. This is a fight that will be highly ranked with the WBO. You can't see me, but I can see you smiling right now. So therefore, you know the, <laughs> you know the ramifications of this fight. You come through, you win, you win in style. You would think whatever happens in the, in the Smith-Johnson fight with Frank's connections to that particular fight, you would then be next in line at the start of next year, first quarter of next year, to be fighting for a world title once again. Yes. Um, I know you see me smiling because um, <laughs> my dreams and aspirations have always been to be world champion and take over the division, even with the limited experience I've got. Um, it's just my mentality, but that's actually not my focus. Um, I just wish Callum, he's a fellow um, British fighter. Yeah. So I wish him nothing but the best. Just like when I've seen other British fighters fight for world titles, when I saw Craig Richards, you know, fight Bibble. I know Craig as well, very well. Mm-hmm. We used to be in the same stable. I wish him nothing but the best. I was praying that he won. But again, that's not my focus, man. My focus is, you know, next week Saturday and next week Saturday only. How how good is the British light heavyweight scene right now? We saw Dan Aziz last week, didn't we? Become uh, champion beating... Uh, Jose Burton. There's a there's a lot of b- big names and a big fights there, mate, isn't there? Oh, definitely, definitely. And again, these are we all grew up together, man. It's, it's, it's almost emotional when you see it. Me and Dan was talking um, yesterday, and I'm, I'm just so happy for him. You know, he came up. Everyone's gone their own journeys. Yeah, everyone's come up the way they have. And um, when I say we all came up together, meaning you know, when I was in a boxing gym in TKO training with Tony Cece. Dan Aziz came in, Dan Aziz sparred. Um, even Lawrence O'Coley was there, we sparred. Um, so many people, Craig Richard, me and him used to spar every day, every single day um, when, we was amp- well, when we was just getting ready to turn professional. So, you know, everyone goes in their paths, mm. but it's the grand and the, look what everyone's doing now. You know, everyone's professionals, everyone's doing very well. It's amazing, you know, it's, it's very rare that you see a group of um, boys come from nothing. Mm-hmm. Literally, each and every one of us have come from nothing. Come from nothing can um, build themselves up to be something. You know, I feel like that's um, inspiration in itself. Now that fight, of course, is live on TalkSport at the weekend, so make sure you come and join us for that. Uh, now, over the Christmas period, Triple G is back in action, taking on Ryota Murata. Uh, in the middleweight division over in Japan. And I'll tell you something, Gareth there, Davies knows all the biggest stars in this game because he caught up with Gennady and his trainer earlier this week. Just tell me what you feel about Murata, what kind of style you're facing. We know about your abilities to box. What are the issues? Uh, what are the strengths that this guy brings that you have to be very wary of? Of course, it's uh, difficult to talk about uh, strong and uh, like weak sides of an opponent uh, before you fight. Of course, uh, we'll see when we get uh, to the ring. Uh, but uh, I'm concentrating on uh, his uh, strong points. Uh, he's a former uh, Olympic champion. Uh, he's the world champion. He's a super uh, world champion currently. He's a national hero um, for uh, his country of Japan. And uh, in the middleweight, he's the only uh, boxer of this uh, level. In fact, there are only like two to three boxers uh, that represent uh, in the, the entire country of Japan, and he's one of them. Uh, so to me, it's more than just a, a fight between two champions. It's a fight between the representatives of two different styles, uh, two different nations, two different uh, cultures, and uh, uh, it's going to be an uh, an, an outstanding uh, uh, fight because I don't see any similar fights on the horizon, even like in the near future, that can be compared uh, from this standpoint to the fight that will take place in Japan. Is this going to be a long fight in your view, Gennady, or do you think you can get to this guy and you can stop him like you have so many opponents you've faced in the past? Of course, uh, every fight is uh, different. And uh, um, 
taking into consideration the amount of time uh, that was allowed to both of us uh, to get ready for this fight, uh, Murata says it's uh, the fight of his life. He's been training for all his career uh, to face uh, me. And it makes it more interesting uh, for me. Uh, and secondly, he's going to be in his home country. And as we know, at home, even the walls help. Uh, so uh, it's, uh, uh, and we are two very different fighters. Uh, so we'll see. Of course, if uh, one of the uh, fighters uh, makes a mistake at some point, opens up, uh, if, if there is an opportunity, uh, then the opponent might uh, seize that. So we have to be on guard. Uh, we have to get ready for something like that. You mentioned Madison Square Garden. Obviously, I've been there with you twice in Las Vegas. Like you're saying, these legendary venues. We know you fought in the UK before against Cal Brook, obviously, but... There's some big stadium fights to have here still. Um, Chris Eubank is someone who's pursuing you. I know you've got your mind on uh, Ryoto Murata, but we often talk to him and he wants the biggest fights and he, your name is on his lips all the time. You know how big a fan base there is in the UK for boxing. Could you consider coming for a big fight in the UK, still in your career against someone like Eubank? Uh, as you correctly pointed out, I'm fully concentrated on the upcoming fight against Murata. Uh, this is my uh, focus right now. Uh, and uh, I indeed appreciate uh, the uh, big fan base that I have in the United Kingdom. Uh, it's one of the biggest uh, um, uh, groups of fans uh, that support me. As for uh, Chris Eubank, um, you know, uh, he, um, like many others, uh, does that in order to, uh, for people to remind him uh, uh, about himself. Uh, at the same time, uh, he's one of the few uh, UK boxers that are still undefeated. You know, what happened just like recently, all the UK boxers, one after another, got bitten, even like stars. So uh, this is his way to basically to be uh, like on the Raiders. Uh, but uh, I don't think he needs to do that. And I'm uh, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not in the position to respond to any, like every challenge, everybody who calls me out. Uh, so uh, we have to uh, like uh, take a smart approach. Uh, if there is a, uh, an offer on the table, something that is interesting. If, uh, if there is a demand for a fight in the United Kingdom for of a particular fight, uh, that uh, like uh, offer will certainly be considered. This is a kind of big thing to, to say to you. In, in many ways, Gennady, I mean, all of us in boxing know that you beat Canelo in the first fight. We know you beat him, yeah. I had it eight rounds to four or seven rounds to five clear. And I don't have ever had a chance to say that to you, but it was clear. And I'll say it every time I talk about it. In some ways, I feel like, and I don't know if you feel like, sometimes we feel like part of your legacy has been stolen, you know? Yeah. Um, and that it's very important that we who are documenting boxing at the moment, make sure that's not forgotten in this period. Does it bother you that the wider world doesn't know your true legacy sometimes? You know, uh, I feel great. Uh, I feel young and strong, uh, and I don't feel upset about it. On the other hand, what you said indeed uh, took place. And uh, uh, of course, there are people who support fair play and uh, uh, but unfortunately, life shows that it does not always happen. And uh, my fights with Canela demonstrated uh, that. Uh, there are people who want to be honest, uh, who uh, don't want uh, to uh, live in the, like this illusional world. Uh, but there are people who prefer to be delusional uh, and who uh, don't value the truth. Uh, so... Uh, people who like uh, to have some hidden agenda, for example, or be a part of a fraud. Unfortunately, there are people like that. And there are, unfortunately, a bit too 
many more than we would like uh, to be. But honestly, it's not a big deal. Uh, I don't consider uh, myself uh, like, uh, like that I lost something as a result of it. Uh, and if that happened to me, it's just a part of my experience. It's uh, just like it's part of uh, who I am. And uh, I like tend to make uh, conclusions out of it. And this is what it is. What are you going to do then when you do stop boxing? And clearly, even though boxing is your life, it's just a sport for you. It's your profession and that you're bigger than that in the person you are yourself, I assume. The uh, thoughts about uh, finishing career uh, come across my mind uh, prior to each fight. Uh, and of course, there are some factors that need to be considered every time. Mm -hmm. Health, uh, family support, and uh, team support, free time, all that helps me to uh, stay active, to continue. And I'm happy that I'm, I'm able to continue uh, my boxing career. Uh, but um, it's hard to say what I'm going to do after I uh, finish. Um, I'm hungry for so many things. Uh, I'm optimistic, I'm open. Uh, and I would compare uh, my boxing career as uh, like uh, studies at the university. Uh, when I finish, I sort of like graduate and I uh, start a new life, let's say like uh, begin a real life with the experience that I got, with the knowledge, uh, with uh, some financial support uh, derived as a result of uh, my career. I have my children that uh, I love to spend time with and uh, work with and entertain. And of course, uh, I guess the best approach is uh, not try to uh, like uh, predict what might happen especially during the current situation in the world during the pandemic it's very hard to predict you know the famous quote uh, you want to make god laugh tell him about your plans <laughs> so <laughs> so that's uh, my approach and uh, that's what i believe in even on a budget quality is non-negotiable That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, just switching fight cards for a split second away from boxing and into the world of MMA, I want to introduce you to a guy called Mohamed Mokhaev. If you are not into MMA... Uh, you may not have heard of this young man, uh, but he is the youngest fighter now signed to the UFC. His story from Dagestan to Great Britain as a refugee, now to the UFC, is absolutely spectacular. And he gave me 15 minutes of his time this week to have a little bit of a chat about that journey. From 2012 to 2013, 14, I'm like, hey, why, why am I existing? 
I was thinking in my in my head, like, what what I'm exist, existing in this world? What for? You know, I was in my head was going so much things. I'm like, what purpose I'm here for? You know, what to do? And it's like I'm, I'm I came from from Russia, you know, from Dagestan, uh, in this country, don't know language, like a refugee, five pound a day, and I'm like, hey, this like, of course, there's work people living in worse situation than me, and, and even even that, I was thinking, imagine. People even even in worse situation, worse. Why why people struggling like this? And then I I went I started competing, you know. To also I, I couldn't travel for five years. Imagine, like you just stuck in the country, seeing your teammates like in a training, you beating guys in the British Championships, but number uh, number two instead of number one traveling instead of you, and then he's goes to World Championships. Uh, like European champion, you're missing these opportunities. And for example, like there, there's ages like cadets, juniors, like under 23, and you're missing them because you don't have documents to compete. But you believe you like you're good enough to do this. And uh, and then when when I, I believed, and then in like 2016, 17, I believe if I came, if I went through that struggle, now I'm this point. I've I'm, I've got like little bit. Um, experience in my life so it's getting only better it's not getting worse so uh, i always believe that I, I can be then beating guys who is in ufc who is was in ufc who is like in other organizations smashing them in the gym and 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 um, why why i can't do it my mentality there and um, my, my skill was I, I i believed in myself you know you've had you've had a lot of life experience for a 21 year old guy man you've had a lot of life experience as you just kind of briefly explained there for people that don't know too much uh 12 years of age you left Dagestan obviously came to the UK uh with your father as a refugee and you kind of just pointed it out there that you initially went to Liverpool yeah in that refugee camp where you were there for what 20 28 days or so before they relocated you to Wigan but you came without knowing English surrounded by people obviously speaking a different language to you you're a young boy alien country to just go through that process in, in a really important time of your life 12 becoming a teenager is a big thing in anybody's life you know to be going through all that in it at that time of your life must have been quite a daunting experience more it was it was especially like my father is my father is 67 years old now so imagine my father is like at that age is for him hard to learn language hard, hard imagine all life he's lived in russia and now he's like in uk for him, it was hard, and for me, as a we, we're not like 25 years old guys, and like came, we have to like uh, we, we can't like um, you know like um, get, get into the life easier. But I'm young, my dad old, and we, we couldn't connect together in a head. So of course, I had problem with my father as well, and uh, I, I had to go through. In, in the school, I had like some fights, not because like. In school, like I, I lived ten years in UK. There's no such just thing as a racism, you know. And I, I never see towards myself. I don't know about the, the other things. And I, I never say only, only fights I get into maybe like somebody like swore I have different mentality, you know, like 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 a like a man, you know, like I don't let anybody joke. And and also I had inside things like a you know like problem in a house and stuff like this. So it was more. More psychology, I think I, I was like maybe fighting and stuff. But then when when I used all this energy towards my career, I didn't I didn't have to prove anybody, you know. I didn't mm. have to prove uh, my results was talking for myself. And uh, since 2016, I don't think two, even 2015 last time I probably fought like in school maybe, like uh, somewhere in the park or something. I don't know. And and after this, it's it's uh, I never got involved in anything. I don't. I didn't have to prove anybody. People know about me and uh, it was enough, you know. I mean, a lot of people who have been following your career as an amateur know everything that mm -hmm. happened in and around 2017 when there was a real threat of being deported. There was obviously a campaign where all the people that were following you to try and obviously appeal to the home office and say, listen, man, this is a guy that's winning junior championships for Great Britain. He shouldn't be getting deported. How stressful was that time for you? It was, it was stressful. Imagine from 2012 till 2017, you're sitting. To be honest, when while I was in school, you know, school is 9.15. Every time I look from the window, I ask, ask, ask a postman sometimes, any letters, any letters. Like, I'm like in a jail, you know. I was like, hey, any letters. And then, like in 2017, we actually received the letter, you know. It was refusal. It was like, you got 14 days to go back to your country. So... 
I had like good solicitor, he helped us and um, we, we got uh, uh, indefinitely leave to remain, you know, leave to remain, so it lasts for five years. So yeah. actually in 2002, I can apply for the British citizenship. But I applied this year believing, even like all my people told me, listen, you cannot go against the law, apply early and stuff. I said, listen, I believe this. I believe even my solicitor said, there's, a, there's, there's no risk, but you couldn't lose this. Like uh, application cost maybe 1,500 pounds. So he said, you lose this money. I said, listen, I will get this. So I applied and I, I got the UFC contract. And next day I've got my British citizenship. So Mate. I believed it. Yeah, oh, I believe mate, it, you know. Unbelievable. Listen, right, what's the bigger buzz? Be straight with me now. Obviously, your life ambition is to be a UFC fighter and be, go on to become the UFC world champion. That's going to happen, yeah. okay? Yeah. What was the bigger buzz? Getting that or the day after becoming a British citizen? And then, obviously, allowing that freedom now so you can travel and go to wherever you want to go in the world to go and get even better training that you've already been getting. To be honest, British citizenship is, is, is something huge that I was wasting. Imagine... Every country I'm traveling, I see the, the British wrestling team, for example, they, they buy tickets, they go. Imagine me going from Manchester, have to book hotel in London. Imagine how many countries I travel, book hotel in London, give fingerprints for the passport, give, make application myself, nobody did for me. Make application, bank statements, everything, pay fees for the visa, waiting for the visa. For the last, uh, before I come to Bahrain, I was in Serbia for the World Championships wrestling. And I was waiting four weeks for the Serbian visa. Serbian, what is Serbia? You know, like, come on, four weeks, it's, it's not America. And four weeks, and guess how many days they gave me visa for? For six days. And I paid like 140 pounds. And I'm like, hey, what is this? I'm, it's hard for me. You know, it's like, I have to, like, two days before I travel to World Championships, I got the visa. I'm like, Hey, I'm losing weight, um, I have a diet, I have a training, and, and I don't even know if I'm going to go. I have to book tickets, I'm going to lose money. Uh, British dressing doesn't pay for us, you know, we pay for ourselves. So, uh, before you apply for a visa, you must book hotel, buy tickets, and guess what? How many times I lost this? Mm. But now, now I'm like, hey, now I have... <laughs> I know, I just have to book ticket and I'm going, you're actually going to book it for me. So it's, it's good. That's it, man. So change now, big time now. There's going to be plenty of trips to America. I'm not doubt you're going to be fighting in America. Just tell me, man. March, yeah, March. Possibility of UFC London. That's the one, isn't it? That's where we make the debut, isn't it? Hopefully. I really want, really, I feel the arena, even if it'd be on like prelims, Listen, so many people will turn up. It's you already seen. The, it, the, it, maybe they think it's hype, but uh, it's, it's hype because of the results, not because I'm I'm some like idiot or something like this. You know, it's it's hype of the because of my results, what I have done. Mm. Who's getting smashed in London then? Anyone? To be honest, anyone. <laughs> <you know? laughs> the high then rankings, the better. Uh, they get closer faster for me for the title we started the podcast with a fight promoter we're going to finish uh, the podcast with a fight promoter ben shalom a boxer joined us on the show this week to discuss everything that they've got planned for december january and february but we started the conversation with a fight date switch. You all know that December 11th was supposed to be Chris Eubanks Jr. versus Liam Williams. Well, it's moved. Luckily, the fight's still on. It's been with a new date. The complications were Liam Williams had a, um, a bad shoulder injury against Andrade, and he was still he was still sort of recovering at the time. And we were thinking, is he in? Is he out? And we were pushing to try and keep it on December the 11th in Cardiff. It sold out. It sold so well. I think the Welsh fans were so up for it and Liam was really up for it. And so we did everything to keep that date. But what we wanted to make sure is that if we had to delay, we didn't have to delay long. And so we got the, the all clear from the medical reports this week. So obviously delighted to have that fight back on. It was a fight that Sky were excited about, the fans were excited about, and we we couldn't let that one go. And so really, really happy that that is back on January 29th. And I think, to be honest, Chris Eubank Jr. is so uh, is so frustrated by the situation and so frustrated against Lee, uh, at Liam Williams. They almost add something even more to the fight now. And so, yeah, looking forward to that and just glad to have it back on. 
Absolutely, mate. We love spice. We love needle. Uh, um, and I've no doubt that it will be spicy and needle uh, on January 29th. What then happens with the rest of that December the 11th card? Because obviously one of the big talking points for British fight fans is that we were going to get to see Clarissa Shields come over and, and debut here in the UK uh, on that particular day. Does that move as well or are you keeping it on? Yeah, you no, know, Clarissa wanted to be on that card. She wanted to be on the, on, on, we think that's the biggest British domestic fight. It would have been of this year. So hopefully, um, let's see, it's a big start to next year. She wanted to be on that card. And so Clarissa will be chief support again. She'll be headlining as uh, chief support um, against Emma Cozin, defending her her world title. So we can look forward to that as well. I think um, it's difficult. We, we really looked at, you know, we really liked that December day. It's, as I say, it sold out so quickly, but it was a pleasure for the undercard to be on that show. And um, having spoken to Vidal Riley, having spoken to Clarissa Shields, having spoken to Steve Robinson, our heavyweight, they want to remain on a show like that. And, mm-hmm. and once, once we could turn it around that quickly, um, we decided that all the fighters will, will stay on that card. Ben, I've got to ask you, um, you didn't mention, just for our listeners, that is still in Cardiff uh, on January the 29th, yeah, first of all? It is in Cardiff, yes. Lovely. And um, I just wanted to ask you, the, the Badu Jack won last night uh, against, who was it now, Samuel Cross, he got a second round TKO. Uh, last weekend, Richard Riakpo looked very good against Ola Dorodula. Uh, the Nigerian, the the, yeah. the the veteran Nigerian who fought for the world title before. Um, I was a little critical in the studio. Spencer Oliver was stirring it up, saying Richard Rietpool was trying to find me in the building. Thankfully, I was in the studio. <laughs> um, what were you but, saying, Garrett? Well, I well what, what what I was saying was, and I wasn't trying to take anything away from. <laughs> Stop it, Adam. Because <laughs> this has gone on all week, and I'm I'm looking I'm not looking forward to running into Richard, a big RR, the, the Adonis-like man at cruiserweight. I was just wondering whether what well, I was critical, what I was critical of, was not not. It was more. To, I wanted to see more combinations from him and going yeah. and going to head and body. We know he's not a vastly experienced fighter uh, just now, but and the fact yeah. that that he is still in a very powerful position, uh, winning the silver WBC silver cruiserweight title. Um, he wants. He was brilliant afterwards with us on air. You know, he said that he he knows he's still inexperienced. He needs to progress. I think Badu Jack would be a brilliant opponent for him. Are you looking at a next opponent for him down the line? Yeah, we are. I think what you said is is key, though, Gareth. He, he started, he started fighting his professional debut at 25. And so, mm. as you say, he almost got through on raw ability at the, alone at the start. So with Angel Fernandez, he's almost having to learn a way to box. I think we saw with AJ, he can't lose himself by trying to do that. And that's something that we, you know, we, we talked to him about as well, because we don't, he is still learning. He is still learning in, in terms of in his boxing ability, but He's got the raw ingredients to, to you, you speak to anyone that's sparred with him, the power, the, the size, the sheer tenacity. Uh, he's got everything that it takes to be a, you know, a serious contender in the cruiserweight division. He's six foot six. He's 31. And every time we see him, he is improving. He was out of the ring also for 18 months. And so I think the Duradola fight, you know, he, he was being patient. He wanted the rounds. But in the end, his power is so... Is such, is such a is such a force of nature that it does mean that a lot of his fights will will um, end early. In terms of in terms of his next steps, um, I think we're so focused on world titles, Gareth, that that that's the that's the focus. We're working with the governing bodies very closely. Obviously, we're interested to see what happened. I think Don King announced Macabre is going to defend his WBC world title. Um, very soon and so we're interested to see what happens there and so I think for Richard at his age he, one day he's going to want to move up to heavyweight and for him it's about getting as close as he can to a world title and Lawrence Okoli I was speaking to last week and mm. he wants to unify so the division is very very competitive and that's there's big domestic fights but I think Richard has sort of seen off that 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 you know, those guys, and he is looking for world-level opposition now. And yes, Badu Jack is that, but whether it helps him in, his, in what his ambition is, I don't know. Listen, I, I dug under your fingernails and put you on the spot last week about Williams and Eubank. I'm going to let Adam um, poke and tease you tonight. One other thing for me, I, I, I want to congratulate you on the progress that 
that the boxer cards have, have mm. made so far. Um, are you finding your feet now? Because there, there does really seem to be momentum. Um, you know, you came in, you know, as, as fresh fish in the shark tank, which it really is promotionally. Are you finding your feet now? I think so. I think um, our first show was on October the 2nd. It takes, it takes a, it takes a while to, even for the fighters to realize what's going on and what platform they want to be on and who's serious and who's not. And, Fighters have seen perhaps what we've done with Savannah Marshall very quickly, as you've just mentioned, what we're doing with Richard Riatpour. And we're starting to see big names wanting to be on Sky. Obviously, Chris Eubank Jr. in that big Liam Williams fight. We want to put on big British domestic fights like Liam, you know, we saw Liam Taylor take on Abenician. But more importantly, we've got Josh Taylor against Jack Cattrall as well in February. So we're starting to see a really sort of packed schedule coming together and our roster with the likes of Caroline Dubois, Tasha Jonas, Larissa Shields, Adam Azim. It's, it's growing all the time. And, yeah, domestic fights are what we're interested in and the stars of the future. And as you said, we, we're starting to get a serious amount of momentum now. And, yeah, it's exciting times for boxer. It's exciting times for myself. Well, it's funny you should say that, Ben, about domestic fights, my man. Um, because, obviously, we've just talked about the, the fight on December the 11th being pushed back to, uh, to January. Uh, 29th, which everybody's excited about. That's a great domestic fight. And there's a fight that a lot of people have been speaking about for a long period of time domestically uh, that we've all been clambering for and wanting to see. Now, I received an email from your lovely people earlier on today as one of these uh, people in the media saying that there's a big press conference happening on Monday to announce a fight that Boxer are going to be putting on next year. Now, you know what I'm like, Ben. I do a bit of ratting around. I do a little bit of fishing here, there and everywhere. And I've come to the conclusion that there's a big domestic fight that you're going to announce uh, on, uh, on Monday. Can you shed any light on that big domestic fight uh, that Boxer and yourself have managed to get on where other people have maybe failed? It's no secret for the past two months um, we've been trying to make Amir Khan against Kel Brook. I think it's a fight that every boxing fan has wanted to, to see for years and years and we have had, there's been a lot of competition. Every promoter has wanted it, no matter what's being said and what isn't being said. And I think um, we are very, very close now and hopefully we'll announce that on Monday and it, it will take place in February in Manchester. And so, is it, sorry. Well, it's funny because I was with Cal Brooks' dad last night, Terry, and he <laughs> was saying it was very close, but yeah. he didn't want to say, and I saw the press release, he, he didn't want to say it was definitely on. So you've got it over the line by the sound of it, and that's brilliant news. It's, yes. I think I'll have to go along with what Terry said. We're very close. We expect to announce it um, okay. early this week. All right, All right then. Listen, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but is the press conference on Monday... For Amir Khan Kelbrook? <laughs> I think you know the answer to that. There might be some dotting of I's and crossing of T's to do over the next 24 hours, but is that the schedule on Monday to have a press conference to announce Amir Khan Kelbrook? I think that's the idea. There you I go. think that's the idea. And I think, to be honest, it's the biggest fight I've ever been involved in, It's the, or will be involved in. It's the biggest you know, fight boxer I've been involved in for us. You know, Kelbrook fought for a world title last year and looked, and looked good up until being stopped by perhaps the pound-for-pound pound king. And, um, you know, these guys are ages 34, 35. You, you, you almost get that direct comparison to the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight, and they, those guys were, were older. But the interest and, you know, the level... These guys would still compete extremely, you know, extremely well domestically. I think they're both at a similar age similar point in their career and um, yeah I, if the fight does happen which it looks very very close to be happening now it's something that I'm just can't believe that we're involved in Ooh, a little bit of breaking news on the old podcast obviously that meant that me and Gareth had an immediate reaction for you the news there uh, earlier on today, the majority of uh, the bo boxing media received an email from boxers saying that there's a big press conference happening in London on Monday. And as, uh, as Ben just uh, confirmed, that, that press conference, the plan for that press conference, I think it's only fair that we, uh, we quote him properly. Uh, the, it is a, it, the plan for that press conference is for Amir Khan versus Kel Brook. And if that fight does uh, finally 
uh, go ahead, Gareth. I know this is going to sound a really outlandish thing, but if you exclude the heavyweight division, if you take away the heavyweight division and you try to think of other big domestic dust-ups that would generate big money, big interest, and I know that there's people going to come at me saying that it's past its sell-by date, it's five years too late, or whatever it may be. I disagree. I genuinely think that this is an evenly matched contest that could be classed as the biggest fight, British domestic fight, outside of the heavyweight division. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, like you say, it could have happened five years ago when two men, the two men were at their prime, but the, the whole... Uh, shooting match around both men is that they they were big figures. They both went sideways to Kelfort, respectively. They fought Gennady Golovkin and Saul Canelo Alvarez, obviously, Amir Khan in Vegas against Saul and uh, Kel in uh, the UK against Gennady. They both went up two weight divisions to do that. And they haven't been the same since, if I'm honest. Um, but there's still... A huge British, I mean, the, the, the Twitter sphere is going mad here that we put this out. Um, it's great that Ben told us on Fight Night on Talk Sport. The Twitter sphere will go mad over this because, as you say, there'll be people saying, why is this fight happening now? Why didn't we get it earlier on? Well, their egos got in the way, respective roots got in the way. Um, this is a huge bragging rights fight for the end of both men's careers. They are past their prime. Um, for me, it's a pick'em as well. Um, it's a very difficult fight to call because Amir Khan's going to dominate early with his fast hand speed. And it's almost, when these two go into exchanges, we're, we're going to be expecting a finish from one or the other. So it's an extraordinary contest. They're both, I think they've both got the same vulnerabilities now. And that's what makes it interesting, yeah. Adam. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And what a coup as well for a, for a young promoter coming into the game. There's been many people that have tried to get this on down the years. And for whatever reason, it's not happened, whether it's money, whether it's politics, whether it's ego, whatever it is, it hasn't happened. But now we've got a, a young lad that's, I say young lad, I'm being, he's, he's more than a young lad. He's obviously a very clever uh, young gentleman coming into this game, teaming up with Sky, the new era of Sky. And to get that fight on eventually, whether fight fans agree with me or not, it will pull numbers. I don't care what anybody says. There's two gentlemen there in that fight that do cross over. And that is key. There's not a lot of guys right now uh, from Great Britain outside of that heavyweight division that are crossing over. We're looking for those new superstars. And hopefully this is a wonderful opportunity uh, for some people, maybe on that undercard of Amir Khan Kelbrook, to really make a claim to be the next generation of superstar I, I just think it's going to create so much interest uh, on Monday uh, at that press conference should both of these gentlemen uh, turn up let me tell you they won't be backwards and coming forwards in uh, what they've got to say Gareth I, I cannot wait to see them next to each other I have done several interviews with Kel face to face with him you know up at the Winko Bank gym up in Sheffield and um, his eyes go dark there's a darkness about his eyes when he mentions Amir Khan like he, he, he says that he, he won't be able to sleep at night when his career's over if he hasn't got the Amir Khan fight. He genuinely doesn't hate the guy, but in boxing terms, he wants to put him to sleep. And uh, there's a lot of venom there. I cannot wait to see the two men with each other side by side facing off on Monday in London. It's going to be extraordinary. I hope they both turn up. Mm. Well, if, if anybody keeps up to date with either of the guys' uh, social media, you'll know that they're both back in the gym. They're both uh, training. Uh, Amir Khan's been spending a little bit of time with Terence Crawford. On last week's show, uh, pre-Crawford uh, Porter, you heard from Terence Crawford. And part of that interview at the end there, I did mention this particular fight with it being proposed. Uh, and he said, listen, Amir's in there. He's working hard. He's working with me. He's looking fast. He's looking, uh, he's looking his usual self. And he's bang up for... Uh, for this particular fight. And you know full well that Kelbrook will be uh, buying up for this particular fight because with all due respect to both these guys, I don't think there's going to be much after this. I think this is the, the final piece of the, the jigsaws, isn't it? I think they're going to be giving us one last dance. And what a wonderful opportunity it is for both of those guys against evenly matched opposition. And that's the key thing here. Both of those guys have been in with Terence Crawford where they were where they were overmatched. Terence is, is, is the best on the planet. And maybe they are a little bit uh, past their very best. But for themselves to face each other, I just think that both are the right stage of their lives, right stages of their careers, and it then gives us as fans a 50-50 contest. And okay, it might not be prime for prime, but it's still 50-50. And we're going to get something, I think, very special. I do love that prime for prime. That's a great expression. And look, 
Um, I don't care what anyone says. There, w there will be people. I mean, I can see it. Um, a good fight for the radio, people are saying. Maybe. Um, you know, there are people saying it's five years past its sell-by date. Um, there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of interest in it already. Good, bad and indifferent. But the thing is, Adam, both of these guys, we mentioned, you know, at the top of the show that Kelbrook had that incredible victory over Sean Porter to put it in perspective. Um, you know, all those years ago in Carson, California, a, a tremendous night, an amazing night. Um, Amir Khan has changed the face uh, for British Muslim sports, uh, sportsmen and women in this country since winning, was it a silver medal at the age of 17 in Athens uh, in 2004? He's, he's been an extraordinary advocate for the sport. Um, he's got, both of them have got massive mainstream appeal. Um, and I think they will do their utmost to sell this fight in the right way. Um, and, and it's a great swan song for both men. Look, if they produce a classic, um, we might get two fights out of them. We know that Eddie Hearn tried to get this fight on DAZN. Um, so, as you mentioned just there, it's a great coup for boxer Ben Shalom, the young promoter, and Sky, in my view, to put this fight on. Of course, it will be a pay-per-view, I imagine, and that will be the big announcement on Monday as well. Uh, there you go. Uh, the proposed day is February 19th in Manchester. Amir Khan, Kelbrook. Uh, press conference called for Monday. That is the proposal, uh, and we will find out more on Monday from both those gentlemen and the promoter, Ben Shalom, who was with us uh, a moment or two ago. So there you have it. Make sure you come back to us next week for more of the biggest stories from the world of fight sports. Subscribe on iTunes and do it via the TalkSport website if you need an Android feed. We'll catch you next time. 